Welcome to the No More Mondays podcast, the show that inspires confident professionals by interviewing people who actually enjoy what they do for work. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with founders, entrepreneurs, and employees who have figured out that special sauce, the magic, the mystery to having No More Mondays. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to this episode of the No More Mondays podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining us for this episode entitled, Entrepreneurship is a Thing Too. We talk a lot about entrepreneurs and employees in the workforce, both here on the No More Mondays podcast and in life in general. But the entrepreneur is also a very key part of growing companies, as that is somebody who is a leader within an organization who is making significant owner-like contributions to that company that often can change the landscape. And today's guest has certainly done that time and again. Steve Fauti is currently the director of the McDermott Center for Management and Entrepreneurship at DePauw University. That is a mouthful, and you can all be very impressed that I did not screw that up. And this is a post he has definitely earned through his experience in financial leadership of organizations and scrappy Indianapolis startups, his words, that he played an integral role in catapulting from fledgling organizations into publicly traded companies that were ultimately acquired by places like Salesforce. Yes, Steve here has some street cred. These wins have gained Steve distinction as an inaugural member of Indiana's Tech 25, where non-founders and non-CEO builders are recognized for their contributions to the tech industry. And he has used his entrepreneurial spirit to act like an owner, an entrepreneur, to take the lead and drive growth strategies that help birth ideas, visions, businesses, careers, missions, and purposes. Even I'm I'm tired trying to keep up with you, Steve. And watch out. He might make me sing again because I hear he has an affinity for songwriting. Let's give a big warm welcome to Steve Fowdy. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. I appreciate the opportunity to share. It's always great to uh, to kind of reflect on things and give other people inspiration and hope for their careers as well. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation because there are, I think there's a lot of angles, you know, our dialogue could go and I'm I'm excited just to kind of let it organically flow and see what amazing tidbits come out. So we've got uh, a lot to cover and I want to start with um, creating some context and having you talk a little bit about what you're doing right now in the McDermott Center and then we'll talk later about kind of how you got in there. So tell us about your role at DePa. Yes. So I've been at DePaul now two and a half years, and uh, that's my. this is my first stint in academia. And it really kind of organically happened from what we'll talk about in my career in the business world as a CPA and as a financial uh, advisor for startups. But I worked with a lot of DePaul alums in my career, and they seem to really shine. Uh, you know, it's a liberal arts institution, and a liberal arts uh, students learn a lot about critical thinking and solving problems that are very complex and the impact of that. And so early in my career, I got to work with these liberal arts graduates and found their career trajectory just phenomenal. And so when I had the opportunity to 
actually work with these students when they were still students, I saw that opportunity as something that I would enjoy. I found when I was in the business world that part of my satisfaction wasn't just the job I was doing, but it was also helping guide young leaders in their professions and their careers and helping them find their passion. And so to be able to do that in a university context, the McDermott Center is the center where students come when they want to learn more about their potential careers in business. We say we're management and entrepreneurship. So the management side is where we gear students to become leaders in in larger institutions. And the entrepreneurship side, we help students start their own businesses. And what I like about the combination of the two, which is what, you know, kind of our topic is on entrepreneurship, is the fact that these are these skill sets are definitely merging as more and more companies need to strategically think about their future. What I love is that we teach students and we bring out, we develop the students' entrepreneurial mindset, whether they're going to work in a traditional startup or whether they're going to be kind of an entrepreneur and take their strategic thinking and their ability to question things and not just go with status quo and help larger institutions kind of reinvent themselves or expand. What an amazing kind of all-encompassing role. If you had to kind of distill that down into basically your elevator pitch, let's say, and I said, Steve, what do you do? What would your response be? I would say as the director of the McDermott Center, I develop business-ready leaders the world needs, whether that's students or alumni, but I help them find their business passion and network and bring that into fruition. When you bring up the good point, there's actually two really interesting things here. One, your experience in the business world definitely creates a unique and very applicable point of view as you are driving that management and entrepreneurship center at the university and academic level. And I think that probably has also helped the students see and have more information in regards to that kind of shifting landscape we're seeing at a corporate level. And for for listeners who are wanting to move into leadership or at leadership or maybe even considering the business of their own, this is a really important message around that kind of personality change that we're seeing from a management down level and what kind of younger professionals want to have in culture and how that strategy really has to come into play to be relevant across all facets of business. Uh, You know, the students and the young leaders of tomorrow Uh, They have seen 20 and 30 years of what their parents, you know, went through and they want to be different. They want to make impact quicker. They want to have work-life balance. They want to work hard. That doesn't mean they don't want to work hard, but they want to work. They don't want to be locked into, okay, I got to be there from eight to five. Mm -hmm. They know they can probably have more impact working the same eight hours at different points during the day and do different things in their personal life and be more fulfilled. They also want to be able to travel geographically and work. They want to make an impact quicker in their career than maybe in the past. In some ways, that has to be curtailed and you kind of got to earn and learn your uh, career. And so there's a give and take. But as leaders of, you know, as I lead and coach students in their careers, you know, that's what I hear more and more. And so that's a great thing, really, for leaders of today and the current, you know, executive team is to find those leaders 
that really do want to make an impact and want to think outside of the box and not just follow the the status quo. And the status quo of 10 years ago, because if you if yeah. you want to get the top talent, you've got you've got to be a leader of tomorrow. And you just validated me and I'm going to validate you that that message around kind of newer grads and young professionals really wanting to have meaning in their career is completely something I see. And I also agree to the point that sometimes I got to bring them down to earth and say, OK, you want to be a manager at 25? What you going to manage (laughs) and Uh and needing to kind of, let's say, pay the dues, but build actual, let's say, a depth of experience so that you can manage something. But their drive is much more uh, than kind of what our parents' generation was about just earning a living. It's what am I what am I doing and how am I contributing while while earning that living? Um, And so this is. Yeah. This is all I love. I love that you're in an academic setting who's teaching that to people coming into the workforce as well. Yes, yes. And even the management careers of the past where you kind of set up on a, you know, a two year management cycle and then you went into a certain role, those are being uprooted in companies. So those aren't as many as there used to be. So even those that students and young, young professionals that are wanting to do what 10 years ago, as you said, were normal careers, those aren't happening now. You know, careers are being you, you can kind of write your own career. Totally. And and companies themselves aren't following their old career paths of the past. Uh, oftentimes, the best career move you can make is a lateral move because it broadens what you're doing. And we students today and young professionals have a lot of pressure on kind of that first job or that next job. And we often talk about don't put that much pressure on yourself because you're learning, you're entering a network, you're going to learn, you can jump laterally, not necessarily forward. And that can be your best career move, you know, lighten up a little bit and enjoy the ride. Things do tend to happen organically through networks that you you run into and through the, you know, the knowledge that you do gain on your first couple jobs, you may end up in a career, your third job may be in a completely different industry or a career move than you did the first two. And that's fine. And that may be where you really launch. And this is a good kind of springboard to dig a little bit into you and the career specifics that kind of got you started and delivered you into DePauw. So tell us a little bit about where you've come from and your experience in tech and being an entrepreneurial CPA, which is not really usually a thing. And um, (laughs) kind of now walk us backwards through your story a little bit. Well, I'll date myself a little bit because I always... From the start, when I, I graduated from the Kelly School of Business before it was called Kelly, I think he, he was probably a, teen, a, a student peer of mine, who knows, but I, Indiana University uh, Business School and did go ahead and get my CPA. And I've always called myself kind of the uncola. The Sprite is the uncola. I'm the uncpa because people was m- much more important to me and and. The relationships I had in the business world was much more important to me than crunching the numbers, although I knew I was being paid to crunch the numbers and that was what I was being paid for. When I looked for career satisfaction, it was always with the right team. And uh, the creative side of me, which we'll probably talk about a little bit more, but I, I'm a musician on the side and and love to write music and play the piano, that creative part of me, I wanted to make sure was a part of my life too. So CPA and creativity sound like they're opposites, but really there's a lot of CPAs that have a music or creative outlet as well, uh, because there's such so black and white in the career. But I wanted to use that solid business background of the framework to build a career that 
involved people. And so that kind of led me into the startup world because there was less rules at first. You know, you're not following a guidebook. You're usually writing the guidebook. You're doing a, spending a lot of time finding the right people to join your team or to add to your team. You're Getting working creative with, with the finances. Very, <laughs> yes. Having to get very creative on, you know, where are we going to make payroll on Friday? You know, so that creative part of me found satisfaction in startups. And then because songwriting and music is kind of, you know, aesthetic and it's not something tangible, I think that led me into technology, which is typically not tangible either. So software is where I started at, you know, at software artistry was really where my career took off there. So I love the fact that I was dealing with an idea that people put coding around that became a reality, but there was never anything physical. It was still, it was, but it made your world better. And people were happier because you solved a problem. And so that really launched 30 years of many different startups I've worked with. Uh, Software Artistry being the one that sold to IBM. The most notable one is Exact Target that was sold to Salesforce. But in between and thereafter, I worked with you know, several other startups that had successful outcomes. My focus was always on building a great team and work, you know, the culture of that team and always being able to reinvent ourselves. And I worked at Exact Target for 11 and a half years and I felt like I had a different job every year because we were growing so fast and I was working with other people. One year we bought a company in Europe. So that became my job was to figure out how to, you know, how to get the finances and everything in that Europe brought into our company. The next year we bought a company in Australia. So every year I had something new to do or we we decided we're going to go public. So then I had to get SEC compliant and SOX compliant. So every year I felt like I wore a different hat. You were also paralleling the very drastic evolution that technology space has seen in the last 30 years. And I'm guessing that was during a period of rapid growth. So it really was an entrepreneurial endeavor that every year it was like, oh my gosh, we've got to pivot. We've got to shift. We've got to change the team. We've got to change our tactics. We've got to change the finances. Constant. Yes. I mean, you know, we, you know, when I started out, which a lot of people listening won't even know, we had floppy disks and then, you know, <laughs> so, and you were, you know, you were taking things in and out. So it kind of dates myself. But then, then we went, you know, uh, software artistry was, uh, you bought the software and we sent out updates on, on CDs and you had every company had to load them, you know, you had to manage that. And then you the go to cloud meant a thing in the sky. At yeah, this point exactly. In life. Yes. Yeah. And so I looked back at kind of what am I still passionate about? What still gets me up Monday mornings and makes me so excited for the week? What, you know, what is really that part that drives me that I look back on? And it truly was helping people, especially younger people, land jobs or land, you know, figure out what they want to do and then follow that passion and land the perfect job that changes everything, that changes their family life, that changes everything, or start that business. But I thought if I can help young entrepreneurs or young people when they're trying to figure out their career passion, leap through some of the walls that we came up on and tell them, don't go here, this is what will happen, or don't, you know, don't go this path, or here's some things you should look at and let them know early so they, they don't have to suffer and learn. That was what was rewarding to me. So I saw this opportunity at DePaul University to run the entrepreneurship and management department. They, you know, they weren't looking for somebody in academia. They were looking for somebody that had a large network in business and could actually do very business, you know, relatable projects and, and open the students up to what was happening. And, I, and so having worked with so many alums in the liberal arts um, world, it seemed like the perfect opportunity. And so 
at that point, I, you know, kind of applied for the job. Like what actual practical steps did you make to, to land this shift and actually become the director at DePauw? Yes. So uh, I will say it took about seven months for the process. And that's one thing you have to do is you've got to give yourself time. If you're wanting to make the move or even unhappy in your current move, you can't wait till you can't take anymore or till you're ready to jump. You've got to think ahead. And I looked at my network and found two people that just kind of came to mind that I knew for one thing would be would not share it with anyone else because it's a small world in indie tech because I wasn't ready to jump. I was just knew that there was something else in the future and I wanted to make sure that I handled it right and look for the right opportunity. So I found two people that were in my network that I knew I could trust, but I also knew would give me great advice as mentors and would also be have a great network in themselves, they could be looking out to see what potential opportunities there might be. They helped me, you know, kind of hone in on what my what I was interested in doing. And the, the fact that younger people from 18 to 30 tended to be my sweet spot, uh, or people later in their career that were considering pivots uh, was where my energy was. So that kind of started honing me in then on the whole academia process. So, but in that process during those months, I also then talked to my current, you know, my boss and let him know that I was thinking, and this was, you know, kind of scary uh, for a lot of people probably to do this. And I don't say it can happen in every case, but I had a prior relationship and two other companies with this, you know, with my, with the CF, the, the founder of this company, but I just told him, you know, I feel like the time's coming. And, you know, the ironic part of it is when I ended up at DePaul, his son was starting his first year at DePaul. So I got to actually influence his son in the entrepreneurship world as a student. So it all kind of came about synchronistically. But you need to talk it out. You can't hold, you know, if someone's considering a pivot, you can't just think it out. You've got to talk it out. So that's, you know, one piece of advice. Find one or two people that you trust that will not, you know, let the word out that you're wanting to jump ship or, or move that you can really trust a mentor, uh, probably someone like you, Angie. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I completely agree with you. It's, it's some, yeah, you need, you need allies and whether they're yes. at your current job or whether they're people who understand your personal motivations and your strengths and can, can help guide you as unbiased as possible, which is where somebody like me does often come in. Cause sometimes people don't have that unbiased support. Um, mm-hmm. because as an agenda, but if you're able to find those kind of trusted advisors who can, who you can be very vulnerable with and talk through this, this with, you'll understand where to go. And then here comes Angie, the broken record, the single word message behind how Steve made this happen was the network. Yes. Yes. Huge. And and I, I will tell you that even when I made the decision and applied for the job at DePaul, this job had been open three and a half years, but it had changed from wanting a faculty member to not to not needing that. And uh, so they were very serious about it. And they had, you know, they were going along the process when I entered the picture. So I had to immediately look at the network that I had to try to get me in through a back door or somehow, you know, I wasn't gonna be able to apply online and make it through. So I utilized the 30 years of DePaul uh, alums that I had worked with and started conversations with several of them and saying, just saying, do you think I'm the right person for this job? If you do, will you help me? Will you, you know, will you do what all the people, you know, or will you give me insights or impact on what I should do? So the network, was invaluable. I would not be here today if it wasn't for people that I met in the business world 
that ultimately put in a good word or helped me get through a door or two that I wouldn't have been able to get through because of the network. You took the words out of my mouth. You were able to have a door reopened for you because you leveraged human beings instead of relying on a computer to magically open a locked door. And it's a very, very good message. The skill set that I had, I continue to use, although some of the number crunching that I used to do that was what I was getting kind of tired of, I don't have to do as often. It's more relationship and presenting the vision of what we can do uh, is similar to a startup. I present the vision of what we can do here at DePaul in the McDermott Center for the vision of the future and getting students into what professions will be, you know, the, the hot demand professions. And typically the CFO also ran, ran HR. So I was very in, involved in the whole hiring process as well. And so I can take those skills and also help students here in, you know, what are those HR directors looking for? And one of the things that I'm guessing this role now offers, Steve, is a little bit more work-life balance so that you can wear all of your professional hats while also digging into some of these creative buckets. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yes, definitely. So work-life balance is a lot different, especially I, you know, instead of an hour drive every day, I have about a 15-minute drive. So that uh, gives me time back as well. When you're very, very stressed, you don't, you know, and your job is high energy, sometimes you don't have that time to explore kind of the more creative side of what you're doing or the other pieces of your life. So since I've been at DePaul, my wife and I both are musical. And so we've been able to kind of re-explore, uh, our music heritage that we, you know, this kind of what brought us together 30 some years ago. Uh, we write music. Interestingly, we write music about, we, I call it inspirational music because it's usually life's journey uh, with a positive outcome. So, you know, the hardships we go through, but how we learn from them or the challenges we face and how we grow. That's typically the type of music we do. And so it's it's really provided the outlet to actually write again, which I never really had the time and space to write again. But I'll tell you, inspiration comes from the students and the people that I'm involved with every day. The entrepreneurship and the creativity and innovation coming from students, faculty, staff, and the business world uh, is is very inspiring. I completely agree with that. And it's it's been interesting to see how something and I don't, I don't like to focus too much on the p- pandemic, but I think in this capacity, it's very relevant because it's been really interesting to see how something like a global crisis puts us all into a position of, of evaluation and, and seeing what kind of where we're at in life. And it's mm-hmm. brought so many people to my door who want to make a change. But also these kinds of situations drive what I'm going to call innovations in the marketplace as well. So, I mean, the 08 recession when we got Pinterest, we got Uber. There were some biggies that came out of that. And I'm very curious to see what happens coming out of this scenario in the next kind of three to five years as as the next round of innovations come our way. And maybe some of it will be out of the McDermott Center at DePauw. That's exactly right. Well, How sweet would that I, be? That would be awesome. I will tell you that out of this, a company called High Alpha that I used to work with, uh, the founder of Exact Target with actually they started a record number of companies and one of those companies is called Mandolin and its CEO is a DePaul alum. Love so, it. Uh, yes, uh, and they are reinventing the whole live music world. 
So, uh, you know, I've seen DePaul's alumni community rise up and take this opportunity as well. Well, and that also plays into your personal interest around music, too. Way to bring that full circle, Steve. I know. I know. So I'm a big promoter of mandolin right now. (laughs) I'm going to go check it out when we're uh, we're done recording here. And speaking of getting to know you and creativity, I like to play a little game here. And I'm totally springing you on this one, springing this one on you. But don't get nervous. Okay. that we just have like to have a little fun and get to know our guests. So I've got a couple rapid fires for you. You ready? Yep. All right. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. What's your favorite candy? That's a tough one, but uh, I'll have to go with caramel popcorn. Oh, that's (sighs) not an answer I would expect. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a rock star. (laughs) Well, in a way, you kind of are. (laughs) I think you uh, achievement unlocked. (laughs) What? uh, And also, I should probably forewarn you that a lot of I'm always thinking about food, so a lot of these are food related. What? uh, Speaking of, what food are you craving right now? Uh, something Mexican. Ooh, that sounds good. That might be lunch. I, I inserted the following rapid fire specifically for you. What's your favorite eighties band? Is Fleetwood Mac count? Yeah, seventies. They were in the seventies. They're still relevant today. They've spanned that. They, they yeah, spanned no. that decade. They can be relevant. All right. Uh, what is a great book recommendation? You know, this has been out for a long time, but I go back to it a lot. Good to great. Yes. I actually put yep. that on my, my book list this year uh, for recommendations. What's a favorite childhood TV show? Now, this is going to throw you way off because I was very young and it's, uh, a, it was uh, Dark Shadows. Oh, I think I, wa- I, I think I watched that on some <laughs> Nick and Knight as reruns. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, I uh, guess, what uh, what's the one that the, they watch today, kind of that where you go into other worlds and other times. I think it was that creative part of me that realized that not all what we see, you know, not all of life is what we see. I think that was my outlet to that. Is it like a uh, precursor to Stranger Things? Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and the whole werewolf and all that stuff where there's other lies. Yeah, Which are very, 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 very popular. Uh, yeah. The la- last food related question. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, I go with strawberry. That is I, that I think you were the first person to ever give an answer that does not include chocolate. But oh, there's wow. there just, you go. <laughs> strawberry is my favorite milkshake flavor. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. And of course, this is a show about Mondays. So when I uh, when I say the word Monday, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, uh, I would say equipped, uh, ready to, you know, an, anointed and appointed is what I usually say. Give <laughs> us a little bit of context about how how that plays into your Monday mornings. Yeah, yes. So I I have uh, on in my desk or at my office, I have two quotes that were kind of my quotes, but I don't know if I stole them or not, but I don't think I did. But one of them is let's change lives today. And I try to think about that, that we have the opportunity to impact people's lives every day, and especially in this environment I'm in, but we all do. And then other is be blessed and be a blessing. So I feel like Monday morning is when I've you know had time with fam- family over the weekend, got re-energized. Monday morning's time to really realize I'm ready to make an impact and be a ble- be blessed and be a blessing and make you know change lives how can i help somebody take four steps where they would have only taken one maybe something i've done it helped in life or insight i give and hasten their steps toward their goals so that's that's what i love about mondays it's fresh it's new <laughs> it's fresh you've you've spent the weekend refilling your cup and now it is full and ready to give out to the others as you start another cycle of of fueling entrepreneurs and the future of business and leadership in this country steve this is really yes. great work 
Yes, thank you. I enjoy it. I feel very blessed to be a part of it. You have now, I go back and forth between kind of going back to school and you've totally made me now want to go start looking at degrees again. It's something I do like, you know, every few months. Um, And so uh, as we wrap things up and before I ask for your last little tidbit of advice, I would just love for you to let listeners know how they can find you and how they can learn a little bit more about you and maybe also the, the center at DePauw. Yes. So uh, LinkedIn is probably the source we use the most. It's definitely the source I use the most professionally. I'm also on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook, but uh, LinkedIn is really, I would say, spend your time there with me and the McDermott Center as well. Uh, we have a, a large uh, LinkedIn presence there, and but we can also be found at depaul.edu and go to centers and then the McDermott Center there as well. Perfect. Another vote for hopping on LinkedIn and networking with us and our networks. Yeah. And uh, so you can find Steve on LinkedIn linked to me. And then we'll also make sure to put um, all of his uh, links on the show notes as well. And Steve, this has been such a great conversation that I feel like we could just keep on rolling with. But let's bring it home and give the listeners your best single piece of advice on what they can do to get one step closer to a more enjoyable career. Yes. So this is going to seem like the contrary, but I fully believe in this. And, and I believe it's not about me that, that as you're looking at your career and making those changes, it seems like it's all about you, but it isn't, it's not all about you. It's about, you know, it's about growing and making more of an impact and taking on more responsibilities. And that's all about others. So the more you can see that to get yourself ahead in your career involves supporting other people and helping other people get ahead as well and grow, when you take kind of widen your circle to understand that, then I think the right opportunities will come. But just, uh, you know, taking that step backwards that here I am wanting to make this career pivot or I'm wanting to move forward. And it's, it's easy to think it's all about me, but it's really, if you step back and look at the bigger picture, it's not about me. It's about we and where, you know, we are going to do something great in the future. And I may not even know who those we's are yet, but I'm going to find an opportunity where I am going to enjoy working with that we. I'm a big fan of the we mentality for a lot of reasons. And that is one excellent example of the power of the collective we, whether you know who the eyes in it are or not. What a great parting piece of advice, Steve. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, you might want to edit this one out, but I am going to write a book in the future and I'm going to call it How Big Is Your Wee Wee? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You better go get that URL right now. Yeah, I better. So uh, the bigger the we, the bigger the impact, the bigger responsibility, the bigger the success. This has been such a great conversation, Steve. Thank you again so much for joining us and giving so much. This is a perfect example of an opportunity to give to others because I feel like all of our conversation had so many takeaways and insights and real world examples of not only what happens when you give to others, but how to practically go about that, whether it's something as probably the unfair word simple as being the C- you know, the CFO of a financial company or doing really big work of guiding and mentoring the next generation of leaders. And so I want to thank you all out there again for listening to another episode of the No More Mondays podcast. Be sure to check out Steve and we on LinkedIn. Steve, thank you again for joining us. Thank and you. until the next episode of No More Mondays, 
please go out and do more good work. We hope you'll subscribe to No More Mondays wherever you get your podcasts. And in the meantime, go out and fuel others to fuel yourselves. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode of No More Mondays. We hoped you grabbed some great insights to help you improve your professional satisfaction. Please visit us at Apple iTunes and give us a rating so we can continue to offer you awesome interviews and content each week. No More Mondays. New episodes drop every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com. That's careerbenders, B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. This is your host, Angie Callen, signing off. Until next week, when we chat with another inspired, confident professional.